I told you I was being distracted because I'm continuing to see, say this one has been away in a very long time, in a very long time. Let me leave that aside and we continue with the ministry of the word. The call to prayer, like I said, begins uh, a short series that we will do as a necessity for us to be people in God's uh, program, in God's agenda, as we hear God speak. And as the scripture was read to us, Matthew chapter 7, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to invite you to be very diligent with your Bibles, to look at your Bibles, because I am not, sorry for that, I'm not going to show uh, verses on the screen. So you must use your Bibles uh, for today. Matthew 7, verse 7 to verse 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If, he, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 1. O Lord, I have heard of your firm. I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. Isaiah 64, Isaiah 64, verse 1 and verse 2. This is what the word of God says. Oh, that you would rent the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations might tremble at your presence. Once again, this is the word of the Lord. I read, saw several of those passages and I would hope you will be able to make connections with all of those passages as we go along. Many of us would like to think that prayer is one of the options that we do in the Christian faith. But I would like to submit to us that apparently prayer is not 
an option for a child of God. Prayer is not an option that you can add to the list of the things you do as a child of God. Prayer is the very walk with God. It's your very Christian life. Come to think about it. Your pastor knows whether you attend public service, public worship like today or not. That is, if he knows you, they will be able to know you were in church, you were not in church today. Yeah, the other Sunday you were not. And sometimes you helped me a lot because you wanted to sit in your favorite places. So I can say, okay, today, no, 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 that one is not there. Uh, where is that? Okay. But they will know. The members of your family also know whether you have family prayers in the house or not. Because it's evident that's where you live. But only God knows whether you really pray in private or not. Only God knows whether your prayer life is genuine or pretending. You see, it is one thing to say your prayers and it is quite another to actually pray. I remember some years back before I even understood what I was saying. I could say prayers, including saying the Lord's Prayer that Elder Kapunde helped us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And do you know, when I was perhaps in primary school, we parroted that prayer. And I even said, how Lord be thy name. And I started now to say, what does it mean to say, our Father who art in heaven, how Lord be thy name? And I'm, because there was no connection with what we said by rot and understanding. To really pray when you know what you are saying, it's another thing. So I say, the call to prayer is to remind us, friends, that prayer is not an extra option, but it is a fundamental component of the Christian faith that cannot be left to a few. I'm not saying this as a complaint. I'm saying this as an encouragement. I'm saying this as an exhortation. Sadly to say, brothers and sisters, one of the most ill-attended, poorly attended, poorly participated function of the church is the prayer meeting. We can come to a dinner that the church would host and there will be plenty. We can invite a guest speaker to come and address a specific subject. People will come. We come to the Sunday worship service like this, but coming to a prayer meeting even when we have made things a little easier, that you can still join online. Prayer meetings are always the poorly attended events because there is a notion that prayer is an option. But let me start by saying, did you know that prayer, while it is not an option, 
It is a personal responsibility. That's number one. It is a personal responsibility. It is fantasy to think that the road to health or learning is royal. There is no easy way to health. There is no easy way to learning. Princes and kings, poor men and peasants, all alike, attend to the wants of their own bodies and their own minds. The same way a poor man has to read and study is the same way that the prince or the king has to. The same they attend to the needs of their body health-wise. It does not matter. No man can eat. No man can drink or sleep by proxy. No man can get the alphabet learned for him by another. All these things that a person must do, they must do it for themselves or they will never be done. So prayer is a personal responsibility. Yes, we like the song, I pray for you and you pray for me. I hope you pray for me because then others will hide behind others are praying for me. You cannot do it by proxy. Each one of us must repent for himself. Each one of us must apply Christ for himself. And for himself, each one must speak to God and pray. You must do it for yourself. For nobody else can do it for you. That means to be prayerless is to be without God. To be prayerless is to be without Christ. To be prayerless is to be without grace, without hope, and even without heaven. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that no one will pray for you. This ministry of prayer has to be a personal responsibility. But you will never be able to participate fully, well even in corporate prayers, if you have not taken your private prayer life seriously. Number two, did you know prayer is actually very essential and necessary for salvation? Ah, what I'm now talking about is doctrine. And some of you are beginning to think about doctrine and say, what are you saying? What are you saying? Yes, my brothers and sisters, salvation is by grace alone. And I know that. It is because of the finished work of Calvary. Yet it is not possible without prayer. Did I just say that? Yes. It is not possible without prayer. You see, I can tell any sinner today to say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ now and you shall be served. I can tell them to do so. Yes, that man can receive forgiveness for his sins and have salvation. But that can only happen after asking for it. This is why the Romans chapter tells us that for if you 
believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you've got to ask for it. Yes. It is not absolutely necessary for a man to read the Bible. It is not absolutely necessary for a person to be learned, to be seeing, or to be blind. It is not even absolutely necessary for a person to hear a series of expository preaching for them to become Christians. But the same cannot be said about prayer. Because he who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So prayer is actually necessary for salvation. For no one would appropriate the salvation that they have without this avenue called prayer. This is why we often ask people, when did you give your life to the Lord? When did you receive Jesus? When did you make that prayer of repentance? It must because it is important that you make that prayer of repentance. Because salvation is not just by osmosis. It's by receiving. Hello? Because of that, prayer is the initial mark of a true Christian. Or the habit of prayer is the initial mark that this one is a Christian, is a child of God. What do I mean? Just as the first sign of life in an infant when they are born into the world is the act of breathing, which the midwives will associate with the first cry of a baby when it comes into the world. So the first act of men and women when they are born again into the kingdom of God is to make that cry of prayer. They breathe. And how do they breathe the spiritual life? They breathe through prayer. In other words, God has no dumb children. It is as much a part of the new nature to pray as it is of a child to cry. The first act of faith will be to speak to God. You say you have faith in God. Your first act is to speak to him. And that happens through prayer. Faith is to the soul what life is to the body. Prayer is to faith, what breath is to life. Just as a man cannot live and not breathe, a man cannot believe and not pray. So I challenge you, my brothers, my sisters, do you pray? Do you pray? If you don't, you are dead spiritually. But a child of God sees the need 
to cry to God. And of course, Luke chapter 18 verse 1, they cry to him day and night. Even the elect, they are seen by their crying to God day and night. They breathe. How, that, how does that happen? Because the Spirit of God who has endwelled them, who has taken them over, helps them to cry and express these words to God and calling God Abba, Father. Romans 8 verse 15. You see, brothers and sisters, even for me as a preacher, I may preach from false motives. A person can preach from false motives. A person can write books and make fine speeches and seem very diligent in good works and yet be and yet still be a Judas Iscariot. Having preached having made fine speeches, having written excellent books, you can still do that while you are a Judas Iscariot. Mm. However, a man seldom goes into his closet and pours out his soul before God in secret unless he is earnest, unless he is authentic, unless he is true. You see, the Lord himself has set his stamp on prayer as the best proof of true conversion. You see, in the book of Acts that we have been exploring for years now, when God sent Ananias to Saul in Damascus, he gave him no other evidence of the change that had happened to Saul. Saul was known as a persecutor of the church. He was a rabbi. He was a good teacher. He was everything. He, all that you could talk about. But now that this person has changed, has been transformed, is now a child of God, is a new person, God tells Ananias, when you go to Damascus and you will find Saul, this man, he has now been changed. In Acts chapter 9 verse 11, God tells Ananias and say, behold, he is praying. Behold, he is praying. Will it be said of you when you said you have changed? And that they say now, behold, he is praying. Or we say, behold, he talks differently. Behold, he dresses differently. Behold, he now keeps a different hairstyle. It was said, behold, he prayeth. As evidence of real change. From Genesis to the book of Revelation, 
All the heroes of faith were men and women who prayed. Church history got its shape and form from men and women of prayer. The great worldwide missionary movement was birthed, spread, and sustained by men of prayer. Who are we to think we will do God's work today without prayer? And yet God has told us, ask and you will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. By refusing to ask, by refusing to seek, by refusing to knock, I am declaring self-sufficiency. Why should I ask? I know what I need. Why should I seek? I am fully supplied. Why should I knock and bother? In fact, I don't want to even enter through that door. But the kingdom of God is available. The resources of the kingdom of God are available to those who are willing to humble themselves so they can ask, Lord, save me. Lord, help me. So they can seek. Teach me your ways. So they can knock. Lord, I want to know you more. I would like to perhaps even end by emphasizing the fact that prayer is largely neglected today. I am also guilty of neglecting prayer. But may God help us not to neglect prayer. While we all eat, we all drink, we all sleep, we rise up, we go to work, we return home, we breathe God's air, we see and bask in God's sun and enjoy God's rain and provision. We walk on God's earth, enjoying God's mercies, carrying our dying and decaying bodies and having judgment and eternity before us, many of us never speak to God whom we will ultimately answer. I started by eating, drinking, sleeping, rising up and going to work, returning home, breathing God's air and his sun, his rain, and walking on the planet earth that God gave us. Because all of these are God's provisions. And still aware that we will be accountable, we still don't think it is necessary to speak to God. Why? Because of the sin nature. It is not natural for us to pray. Romans 8 verse 7, the carnal mind is empty against God. That's not how we are naturally inclined the desire of man's heart is to get away from God and have nothing to do with him. Man's feelings toward God is not love, but fear. 
saw the multitude walk along the broad road. That's why the narrow road is not walked by so many. But it's also not fashionable, by the way, to pray. It's not cool. It's not the best thing that you can do. If you somehow got forced to sleep in the same room with a stranger, someone would rather not pray than embarrass themselves by praying and say, oh, he prays. Ah. Yet at the same time, thousands of us would dress well. We would go to the theater to be thought of as clever and agreeable. All this is what is fashionable because we want to present ourselves. Why should we not, should we not be known as those who pray? Some of us, especially the, uh, let me not place it upon one generation. Some of us would even be embarrassed to sit in a restaurant and say, let's give thanks. Ah, why are you embarrassing us? Embarrassing you by praying. Some of us now no longer even want to quote scripture when we are sitting in a place where some of the, the conversation taking place is being heard by other people. Oh, they are talking Bible. Which world do you live in? It's not fashionable. And more and more, we are being excluded from prayer. If we are asked to choose between going to a prayer meeting and going to some, some friend's birthday party, oh, no, okay, I will not go to the prayer meeting, I will go to the birthday party. But if you also tell a friend and say, you know what, I will come late to your birthday party because I am going to a prayer meeting, they will think you are a square. And you don't want them to think of you that way. So you do what is fashionable. You are too religious. You are too dogmatic. You are narrow-minded. You are what? You are what? Yet you actually know the truth. I depend on God. But also, the greater reason why we don't pray, our lives contradict prayer. Our lives contradict prayer. Praying and sinning never live together in the same heart. If, if we are living a sinful life or a life that is compromised, prayer and this cannot be together. You see, prayer will consume sin or sin will choke out prayer. This is why, although Christians today have more resources at our disposal with the internet, with the social media, with the blogs and the vlogs, than any past generations, we seem to be the most powerless people in the face of sin. Advancing technology has not improved our combat with sin. But as we read from Isaiah, 64, he made a profound statement. Unless God comes down, mountains will not shake. Sinners will not tremble. All who you would rent the heavens. You see, our mountains today include indifference, materialism, 
humanism, godlessness, immorality, sexual perversion, the blaring of gender differences, crime, racism, ugly politics, and a church devoid of the power of God. Mountains, mountains. Oh God, would you rent the heavens that the mountains might quake, that the mountains might move. Habakkuk cried out, I have heard of your works, O Lord. Repeat them again. Do them again. In wrath remember mercy. This is a man who is saturated with the desire to see God move again. But he realized that can only happen if he prays. Are you concerned enough and desperate to humbly gather a solemn assembly to say things can be different and call upon God? Yes, for the sake of his children and the, the supreme glory of God. For the sake of the future generations, God would you read Restore your works again. Would you repeat your works? Do them again. Remember mercy. But that won't happen, brothers and sisters, unless we see the need to stand in the gap. Ezekiel 22 verse 30. So I sought for a man among them who would make a war and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. That I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Will he find someone who stands in the gap today? Brothers and sisters, unless we plan to pray individually and corporately and consistently and regularly, it won't happen. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. And let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap. If we do not faint. Do not give up. Hebrews 10 verse 24. Let us consider how we may stay one another to love and good works. But do you have God's desire? The desire for God to come as he promised. Isaiah 43 verse, 44 verse 3 says. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty. And floods upon the dry ground. My call upon us in the call to prayer is desire God to move as he promised that he will. But that will never happen if you don't take prayer as a personal responsibility. As essential to salvation. Yes. And not neglect it. Lord Jesus, give us an appetite, a desire to pray, to worship, to seek your face. Ah. How can prayers be made in every place for all people? even though the door is wide open, even though you have given an invitation, ask, seek, knock, 
There are no askers. There are no seekers. There are no knockers. We're proud. We're full of ourselves. Lord Jesus. How would we even know that we are children of God if prayer does not characterize ourselves? Yet we may even be guilty tonight, today, to talk about prayer, to preach about prayer, to, to teach about prayer, and not pray. No wonder the disciples came to you and say, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen.